Enter His Plan, Enter His Rest, by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor. I'm so grateful for Judah, or Judaism, for preserving the feasts so Gentiles like me can find our way to the Lord's table. For the most part, we grew up celebrating the world's holidays, not intending to offend the Lord. And when many of us found out they were founded on pagan rituals, we stopped associating ourselves with them. We had absolutely no idea they were the adversary's counterfeit of the Lord's feasts. In fact, many of us were fooled into thinking the Lord was somehow intertwined in Easter bunnies, colored eggs, elves, reindeer, witches, and goblins, etc. You know, even as a very small child, I wondered how it all fit together, though. Somehow Jesus dying on the cross didn't fit with candy-filled baskets and egg hunts. But then I was just a kid. About 20 years ago, someone told me about the Feast of Leviticus 23. They made so much more sense to me as I eagerly studied them, and then the Holy Spirit started showing me how they harbored a much deeper meaning than what was being taught. In fact, he showed me that his whole plan for creation's renewal and restoration was contained in the feasts. He also revealed how every meal contained a deeper knowledge that would change us line upon line, precept upon precept, back to his nature, and finally, back to his rest. Eve pulled all of humanity out of God's rest, therefore, causing us to miss the wonderful plans he had for the earth and all on it. But you know what? God knew ahead of time that she would do that and laid out a map concealed within the feasts for man to come full circle back to his rest. Can you see why the enemy wanted us blinded to the feasts? He didn't stop there. He blinded Judah to the lamb, even though God through their own prophets spoke over and over concerning him and information concerning the Lord was taught throughout their feast as well. Let us read from Exodus chapter 12, verse 21, to better understand. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves, according to your families, and kill the Passover lamb. Now let us read from Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 1 through 2, and verse 4. Observe the month of Abib, and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Therefore you shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord your God, from the flock and the herd, in the place where the Lord chooses to put his name. And no leaven shall be seen among you in all your territory for seven days, nor shall any of the meat which you sacrifice the first day at twilight, remain overnight until morning. In other words, eat all the Passover lamb. Now from the New Testament, Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 brings the lamb to Christianity. Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened, For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. John chapter 1 verse 29 The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. 
1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb, without blemish and without spot. John chapter 6, verses 53 through 54. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, the Lamb, and drink his blood to enter the covenant, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Can we see how the Lamb of God was foreshadowed by the Lamb eaten by old Israel as they prepared to leave Egypt? Jesus is also the unleavened bread. They were told to eat as we see in John chapter 6 verse 48, which is also another feast, the feast of unleavened bread. I am the bread of life. What I've personally come to see is all of the feasts of God serve lamb as the main course. Jesus is the substance of the feasts. But look again at what the enemy has done. Judah, who has knowledge of the feasts, refuses the Lamb of God. And Christianity, that sees the Lamb of God, refuses the feasts. Both have been blinded by the adversary. One has so many man-made traditions related to the feasts that the Word of God is of no effect or has no validity. And the other celebrates the pagan holidays, ignoring the feast completely. Both are therefore powerless, and the covenant blessings of God elude them both as well. We must humble ourselves to sit at the Father's table with each other. Together we make up the household of God. The plan to restore humanity is for all who love Him. We have one Father, and He has had plans for His children that Eve's choice of knowledge was incapable of understanding. The adversary was not privy to the plans of God, so all he could do is keep mankind as far as he possibly could from eating truth, and he accomplished this best through division, coming together as one house, one tabernacle, one temple. For God to dwell in is the last thing the enemy wants to see happen, I promise you. It's all there, like a blueprint in the Feast of God, however. We must do more than celebrate them, though. We must actually experience them in our personal lives to be changed, to mature, return to our original perfection. Think about this. In the garden, we were not Hebrew, Germans, Greeks, Americans, etc. We were just humans in God's image. All this other developed after Eve sold out to the adversary. So to return to perfection, we must be made one house again. By the way, every bit of this truth is found in the Feast of Tabernacles. Judaism had a job to do for God in preserving the feasts and prophesying the coming Messiah. Christianity had a job to do for the Lord as well in proclaiming the arrival of the Messiah and documenting the changes he made for God's people. So thank you both for doing a job well done. But there is so much more to do as outlined by the feasts. Much more. And again, it requires big changes. For one thing, Adam and Eve without dying could not re-enter the garden. Neither can their descendants. So a new generation of people, as God pre-planned, would be created to re-establish his kingdom. Psalm chapter 102 verse 18 
This will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we must be born again to start over. Judaism preserved the knowledge that the original pair were created around the time of Rosh Hashanah. Christianity preserved the fact that there would be an age to come where immortality would be returned to man, making him a first fruit of a different creation. On and on, they both did their job very well, and now it's time they joined their efforts to have one mind, one language, one heart, and one God. Come on, household of God, we have a big job to do. Much prayer, much praise is required. The human race as a whole is in jeopardy. Unknowingly, out from under the plan of God, they are being used by the enemy to destroy the earth and all on it. Judaism, you must see the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to embrace his victory over the enemy and to help manifest it to the planet. In fact, you must first see his redemption plan and be born again to even be a part of his kingdom. Christ himself, who was born into Judaism, was baptized, or born again, according to God's plan, so mankind could not be stopped by sin and could return full circle to the garden. Christianity, you must accept what God has done through Judaism. Again, their prophets foretold the Messiah's coming, and you documented the fact that he did. Judaism spoke of Isaiah 61. Christ through you ministered its fulfillment. Since the blueprint for the rebirth of humanity and its road back to perfection is revealed at the Lord's table through his feasts, what would we have done without Judaism's faithfulness to preserve them? And what could we have ever accomplished without the Christian knowledge of God concerning our Messiah? Bottom line, neither Judaism or Christianity have been successful on their own. It's because we need to be one stick in the hand of God, Aaron's rod. The law of God is written on our hearts for us to become the image of Christ, his body, the living Torah to the world. Instead of each being a light, we must be twisted into one candle to light the way back to perfection, revealing the hidden manna, the end-time knowledge of God's plan. The rod, the manna, the law, sounds like the contents of the ark in David's tabernacle that is to be raised in the end times to lead the people, doesn't it? In closing, God promises his people the return of the planet, its resources, its creatures, great and small, refurbished, renewed, restored to its original state. No sickness, corruption, pain, or death, only good. Very good, he said, as he rested from making his plans. Now Judaism and Christianity, in fact, hear me all of you that love the one true God. Let us enter into that rest together so he can fulfill his wonderful promises. Wouldn't life be wonderful? All we have to do is stop our dead works, see ourselves for what we really are, his creation, his household. The rest has already been accomplished by God. So enter his plan. Enter his rest.